Welcome to Jim Palmer's famous no-hassle interview the experts coaching call. Every month, Jim brings you his valued client, a nugget-rich interview with a leading expert and authority. On these calls, you'll learn some amazing tactics, strategies, and resources on how to market and grow a more profitable business faster. So sit back, have paper and pen handy, and most importantly, get ready to implement what you learn. And now, here's your host, the newsletter guru and dream business coach, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. Welcome to another fantastic interview. I have a super cool guest today, somebody who's actually in the same field as me, a business coach. Let me introduce uh, Tanya Connor Green. Um, Tanya Connor Green, I hope I can only say Tanya once I introduce you. The three words is really going to kill up a lot of time. <laughs> I know, I have a long name. <laughs> I know, right? Tanya Connor Green has been coaching female entrepreneurs who are struggling to make money in their business since 2015 as a former corporate prisoner, that is a unique word, who was often referred to as the little pit bull in the insurance firm she worked for. Tanya is keenly aware of how important it is for her clients to succeed in their business and not go back to the soul-sucking nine-to-five job. I'm really guessing she didn't like working for somebody else. <laughs> has a unique approach to her business coaching because of her strong focus on human connection and vulnerability. Tanya focuses on helping women move beyond the fears and self-doubts that keep so many people hidden behind their computer screens so they can get visible, get vulnerable, and stand out from the crowd online in order to make six figures plus in their online business. Tanya, how are you doing today? Great. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Sure. Well, you know, I've, it's, I've been coaching for 10 years and I've, I've, I, people are sometimes surprised. I've, I always have a lot of coaches on. First of all, I, I like talking to other coaches and I think it's a mm -hmm. gigantic world and it'd be impossible for me to think I should get all that business. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a big plan. That's wrong thinking anyway, by the way, if you're, if you're going that way. But having said that, um, I'm really curious about, um, you know, the little pit bull, like was that from your boss or was that a, a couple of customers or who gave you that? So the people I work with uh, definitely gave me that nickname because I was probably the youngest person. Well, I was the youngest person in the office. I was also the only woman in the office. And I, I mean, people underestimate me. I'm short and tiny and young. And so people expect that they're going to be able to out negotiate me and, you know, I come prepared. So I don't back down and I don't like, I, I know my stuff. So I don't let people off the hook. And I, I look for, I'm very detail oriented. So I've always like gone through contracts and made sure that there weren't any, any words out of place <laughs> so very that people cool. couldn't get anything past me. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're, um, you've got a, you got good self-esteem and you've got confidence and did that come from your parents or did that come from schooling or was, was that just you were a young confident um little person a little kid or <laughs> i'm always curious if if uh if my guests are the first generation entrepreneurs or did you have somebody else in your family who kind of went out on their own to give you be a role model such a good question. I did not even know anybody who was an entrepreneur. So mm. definitely nobody in my family had ever owned their own business. They'd always worked in corporate. A lot of them worked in insurance, which is what I did. And so this was like totally brand new. I didn't even know about it until I was in my like mid twenties. And it was, you know, it wasn't the, the regular path of our family, but 
I was, I wasn't always confident in every area, but I was certainly confident in school and in confident in my job. Like I was good at learning things. I learn quickly. I like to learn. So I will research things. I will be like, I ask a lot of questions, which is probably why coaching fit really well with me. And I, so I was confident in my work and school area, but I would say I wasn't very confident in like who I was, which I think is how I came to coaching in the first place was when I went through therapy for a while. And then um, I discovered coaching and I read a lot of self development books. So I think that's kind of what steered me in that direction. Plus one of my friends had suggested it to me when she had met a coach. And when I explored that, I realized like, I feel like this is what I was meant to do my whole life. Like I love asking questions. Very cool. So what made you go into coaching? Did you just decide to do that and therefore you left the insurance? Are you selling the insurance or are you doing coaching full time? Great question. I'm doing coaching full time now. At the time when I started learning about it, when I started doing my certification, I definitely didn't think that I would ever leave my job. At the time, I thought that I really loved what I did. I thought that I was really good at it and I thought that you know it fit me really well in my lifestyle. But as I got exposed to different careers, different things that I was also good at, I realized after a while, like I did it on the side of my corporate job for about two years. And then um, before I actually went out and did it full time. So at the beginning, I thought that I would stay in insurance and just coach on the side because I thought it was so fun and I would do it for free, which, you know, can be a problem when you're building a business. Yeah. But I thought that I would do this for free. So why would I charge people? And eventually, the more I helped people, the more I saw that if I could be doing this more hours of the day, I could help more people make radical changes in their life and their business. The business thing came way later, but at the beginning, like making radical change in who they were as a leader and what they like, how they showed up with their family, like different things like that. So I realized like, I really should not be doing this. Like this is this insurance thing. Ain't my, ain't my calling. <laughs> and this um, coaching thing, like that fits me so well. And I wish that I could do this all the time. Plus it would give me the freedom to not be inside when it's sunny and make my own schedule and that was partly when I was in my early 20s, that's kind of what led me to even consider being an entrepreneur because I never even imagined that in a million years. If you had told me that when I was like a teenager, like no way, I'll never own my own business. But um, it kind of appealed to me because I was making a lot of money as a young person very early on, but I only got 10 days of vacation and coming out of university when you know you have like four months off and you can pretty much do whatever you want was really hard for me to adjust to and think, well, I have all this money and I'm young and I don't have any responsibilities, but I can't go anywhere because I have this job that I go to all day, every day. Mm. So when you, when you transition, Tanya, from the job to full-time coaching, I mean, a lot of people, uh, well, I think a lot of people start a business because they lose their job or find, you know, well, let's just go do that. But then there's people who kind of want to do the transition. And when you decide to go full time, it, it never really works out where you've, you've built your business enough to, you know, have a clean or somewhat of an even um, shift over financially. Was that like, was that like that for you? Or did you actually make the leap and kind of go backwards a little bit while you built your business? Mm -hmm. So good, great question. No one's ever asked me that before. That's such a good question. Um, I 
because my family was, you know, had been very successful at working for a corporate job and they'd never had any, they'd never even been exposed to somebody doing what I was doing. So they were very skeptical, pretty non-supportive at the beginning. Um, I was keenly aware that I was going to have to justify how I would be fine if I left. And because also I was working for my stepdad at the time, he was the CEO of the company I worked for. So by telling him, like handing him my resignation and saying like, listen, I'm leaving this amazing opportunity that you've given me that I mm. do well at, I knew I had to have a pretty secure thing in place. So I used to describe it as I was leaving them crumbs. So I would only tell them about the really amazing things that were happening in my business. Like when I would make double what I made in my corporate job. And keep in mind, I was making over 100K in my um, corporate job at the time. So, I mean, I would send my dad texts to be like, you're my dad, so I can only brag to you. But yeah. just, you know, I made double what I make in my corporate job in my business this month. Or this month, I made triple what I make in my corporate job in my business this month. And so when I was leaving them crumbs, it was a bit easier for them to realize that like, actually, this is going to be fine. Like she makes more money than she needs and she's doing well, really well consistently. So I did have like plans of what I would do with the time when I left, but I really was running my whole business with eight hours. So I was making more than what I was making my corporate job in my business before I left. Um, and I ran it for a long time, still working. I mean, when I left my job, I made a big deal about it, obviously. And my, some of my clients said to me that they didn't even know that I was working full time. And I was like, really? I, I mean, I talked about it a lot that I was doing this while working, but I guess some of them didn't even realize that I was still doing that while working. So I did have help. Not just when, so when you started the coaching, how did you mean like, how did you start getting clients and things like that? Did you take some time to develop a brand? I mean, how did that happen? I mean, coaching is a hard thing to get into and it's usually a slow start and it sounds like you've done really well. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Um, and I think at the beginning it was very slow for me because I was not charging money. And so I don't think I was valuing what I was doing as much or I wasn't at least showing the value because I'm like, well, I would do it for free for them. But then when you do it for free, people don't value it as much. Right. So, I had to really make the mindset shift that if I really wanted to leave my job and do this full time, I needed to start charging more. And at every single time that I've charged more money, I actually have attracted more clients. It's really weird. You expect it not to be that way, but people expect it to cost a certain amount of money. And if you cost less than most people or the average, people are going to view you as like a lower quality coach. So I learned that really quickly. I did work with a coach because I always say, oh, because I always say that if you are working with a coach that doesn't have a coach, there's something wrong there. Mm. So I, I definitely think that I feel like there's like something out of alignment if you're a coach that doesn't have a coach because it's like you're not believing in what you are offering to other people. So I definitely had a coach. I had a coach the whole time, but um, I kind of invested more money than I had ever imagined after I had finished my coaching certification when I'm like, oh, I think this should be easy now. I'm certified. Nobody cared about my certification. Literally nobody. <laughs> Still to this day, like three years later, I've had one person ask me about it. One, just mm. one, just one. <laughs> I spent a year and a half of my life and over $10,000 doing that. And one person has asked me about it, but I'm sure that helped me feel confident in my coaching. So after that, I hired a coach that was like 
way more money than I could have ever imagined after I'd already spent all of my money. <laughs> and I think that having that investment that felt so big and so scary and so serious, I was like fully in. There was no coming out. I couldn't flush that money down the toilet. I had to make it happen now because now I basically spent 20000 or more on this business and I'm not making that money. So I'm like, I'm not... All I want to do at that point, I was saying to myself, all I want to do right now is just make back the money that I've invested. And in the process of making the money back that I invested, I ended up making way more than that. Good so for some you. of the things, yeah, it was, I mean, I just really at the time really didn't want to flush the money down the toilet. So I was like, okay, what do I got to do to get clients? And I think that, I mean, it's different for everybody, but for me, the biggest, I always ask myself and my clients, like, what's the number one thing that scares you that you really don't want to do? The thing that you're not willing to do. But when it comes to a point where you're like, okay, I'm broke now. I can't pay my credit cards. I can't afford this coach. She won't let me out of it. I'm, it's going to go into collections. You're, you're willing to do things that you weren't willing to do before. So the number one thing that I wasn't willing to do was I wasn't willing to get on video. In fact, even if you and I were in a group of like three to four people, I probably wouldn't have been able to speak in front of those people either. I was mm. great one-on-one, -on -one, but not great in a group. I right. froze like a st frozen statue. <laughs> and I was great at writing, even though I didn't like writing, but like writing on social media, but I wasn't getting visible. Like I wasn't showing my face. I wasn't putting out pictures of me. I wasn't doing video. I wasn't talking. And at the time, Facebook Live had just come out like five or six months earlier. So, you know, that whole big hype about, oh, are you doing lives? Like you have, and I think Periscope was like a big thing back then. So yeah, then, that's like, gone, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like people were doing like Periscope and like, I wasn't willing to do that. And like some people were doing Snapchat and I definitely wasn't willing to do that. And, um, you know, Facebook Live had just come out and I wasn't willing to do that. And then YouTube and I was like, not a chance could I do YouTube. And so I wasn't willing to do these things that would have put me in front of the people that, you know, I wanted to work with. So eventually I bit the bullet. And after like six months of saying every week that I would do it, I did a live video on my fear of doing a live video. And it got a lot of views at the time that I didn't expect because I wasn't like doing ads for it or anything. I just literally did the video, got it done. I think it was like two or three minutes and it's painful for me to watch it now because it's so bad. But at the time I realized so many people said such nice things to me. And that was the thing that made me realize like I was so concerned about what I would say and how I would look and what people would think about me. And I wasn't thinking about, or the thing that helped me to do it was thinking about the fact that if what I have to say helps one person, will it be worth it? So the question I ask my clients and myself now, when we're going to do something scary is, are you willing to be judged by 10 people if you can help one person who is struggling? And I've never had someone say no. Wow. That's a great question. And I think you said at the beginning, you ask great questions. <laughs> um, what, so it seems like vulnerability plays a big role in your business, both how you market it and how you help people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that that's the thing. Another thing, like I had learned that early on in terms of like Brene Brown was somebody who really inspired me. And I read a lot of her books at the beginning. So talking about how vulnerability is what connects us. And because I loved working with people one-on-one, -on -one, I wanted to connect with just one person. I wanted to help one person who was struggling. And so how can I connect with them is by sharing, 
you know, the things that I, that were difficult for me, the mistakes that I've made, the things that my fears, my, the, the thoughts I have in my mind, like the negative thoughts I have or the limiting beliefs that I had. And by sharing some of those not so Instagram real perfect things about my life and about my struggles and things that I've experienced, that was something that helped people see me, like connect with me in what I was talking about. Like, oh, if she can do it and she has a similar story to me, then maybe I can do it too. Mm-hmm. And I like to use the example of like parents. I'm not a parent, but I'm pretty sure I know well that people who are parents don't like to take advice from people who aren't parents. Cause you're like, you don't know, you haven't had kids yet. So sometimes even though we're taught as a coach that you don't need to have been through what your client is going through in order to help them. I think that the client doesn't realize that we might know that as a coach, especially being trained in professional coaching, you're just asking questions. You don't, they're doing the digging themselves. I don't need to know how to do your job in order to help you be a better leader or be better at your job. But the client on the other side of that doesn't realize that. They think that they want someone who's done what they want to do, who's been through what they've been through and have come out on the other side. So I think sharing more of that, which goes totally against everything they teach you as a coach, um, but sharing more of the things that I've been through or experiences that I've had, one, inspired other people that if I could do it, they could do it. And two, made them feel like I could help them because I had been through it. Mm. Very good. What, are the, what do you think the keys are to keeping a, a coaching client long-term? That's, that's something a lot of coaches struggle with. Mm, that's a good question. I think I don't really, I don't really want to keep clients too long-term um, because I kind of like to coach myself out of a job for them. I also think it's important to like work with different coaches. Um, I've worked, like I've worked with coaches for like a year and a half before and then switched, but to get a different perspective, to get some new insights and to grow yourself. But if you want to keep a coach or a client long-term, like my clients do stay with me probably for a year, I would say sometimes more, but I think the biggest thing is I've heard a lot, not that this is like a great thing, but I've heard a lot that clients want to feel like, you know, you care about their business, which I do. You are a partner in it and that, you know, they want to have some sort of friendship, some sort of like trust factor within you guys. Like, if you're going to develop and go deep with somebody, they need to trust you. They need to know that you're going to show up. I've heard from some people where they don't show up, they cancel on their clients. Like that's never going to fly. You know, you're holding them accountable, not telling them the things that they want to hear just to like, just to keep everybody happy. Like I make my clients cry sometimes, not in like a good way and like a, I hate you way because that's my job. My job is not to tell them what they want to hear. You know, my, I'm not doing my job if I'm being their friend. I have mm. to say the things that no one else is going to say to them. Wow. It's tough being, it's tough, you know, because sometimes people come to calls and they think, well, this is what I want to talk about. And then they'll say, wait a minute, let's go down that road a little bit. I think you're skating over something that's really a yeah. stumbling block. Um, I know you have something called the defining day exercise. Mm-hmm. What is that, Tanya? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I help people discover One, it can help you discover who you want to work with, but also who you can help because when, so the defining day is basically going back to the day where you made the shift that you made, because I think we forget what we were thinking and feeling and what we were reading and what we were talking about, what was happening in our life when we decided to make a change. Like I know for 
for me, I was going through a really bad breakup and I was talking to my friend and like, you know, not being so happy, being very negative. And she asked me to watch this, The Power of Vulnerability, which is a TED Talk by Brene Brown. And I remember that that completely changed my mindset. And that's what led me down the path that I am now. So what was I going through at that time? How would I have described my problems? What was I reading? What did I care about? What was I talking about? So that I can use some of that information in my marketing. Because Mm. we can always help people who are a couple of steps behind us. So when people don't feel like they are enough or they have enough experience or they um, have gotten to a specific stage of their business or a stage of their life, if you want to help people, you can always help people who are a couple of steps behind you that haven't gotten to where you are and who are struggling in the place where you were a couple of months ago. So So are you a fan of video now? I've got a curiosity. I know you've you've done some... You know, because I'm wondering how big your breakthrough was. Do you still do it or do you still hate it? I do it. So I do it every week. Um, Ever since that day, I've committed to doing it every week on Tuesdays. But actually, I I do enjoy it once I'm on the video. I'm better live than I am like recorded video. It takes me forever to do a recorded video. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm much more comfortable now with it. I mean, I still get a little bit of nerves, but. I really prefer to do live video than I do to write something, to write an email or like, or to write a post. I prefer to just do a live video about it. And in fact, right now I'm running a 30 day live challenge with my clients. So all of my clients are going live for 30 days. And the reason we're doing that is one, to get more comfortable, but also to like, see what works for you. Like what people like, what times, like really exploring how you can do video in different ways. Um, what kinds of content you want to talk about, how to tell stories, like all the different aspects of doing a live video that connects with people and makes them want to come back. So I like doing it now. And I think it's a big pillar of my business and a lot of other people's business because they get to see you. Super cool. I know you got a podcast also. Can you tell us about that? Mm -hmm. So our podcast is called the How We Hustle podcast. It's with me and my co-host, Mike Thompson, who is the guy that um, who was who I met, who was the first entrepreneur I'd ever met in real life. Otherwise I thought they were like these like unicorns in the world. <laughs> um, and so we do a podcast together and it's really interesting because we started the podcast before I started doing video. So I, some, some of the episodes we do like, while well, I'm still at work, you know, and he was a online entrepreneur. Um, and he was teaching me a lot then, then we kind of shifted roles where like I was teaching him a lot about the stuff that I was learning. So it's a lot about like the behind the scenes of being an entrepreneur, both the, the ups and the downs, the struggles that we have, the things we're going through in the moment, plus like what's working for us, what's working for our clients, what, what we're seeing, um, happen in our industries. So it's, it's like, uh, I think it's usually around like 15 to 20 minute episodes and they happen every, they come, we have one every Tuesday. About just like sometimes we do guests really rarely, but once a month we're doing guests where we bring on someone who's inspiring us and tell their story. But yeah, it's just like, really, we like to not sugarcoat things. Like I don't want to tell a story that's like everything is wonderful because it isn't all wonderful. Right. I'm not always peppy. Not everything goes perfectly in my business. You know, not everything I try works well but I want to show both sides of being an entrepreneur because otherwise I find people think that like there's something wrong with my journey. I'm not doing it right because I'm having these things happen. And that's not, that's not the truth. Like you just don't see what's happening in someone else's business behind the scenes. You only see the, the good bits. 
Goodness gracious. Well, how can people connect with you? I'm sure they're uh, intrigued and, and, and want to learn, might want to connect with you from your podcast and, and your website and things like that. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, my website is wholeheartedbusinesscoach.com, um, all one word. And you can also find me online on any of the social media channels at social or at social at wholehearted business coach. Um, so you can find me on Instagram for wholehearted business coach and Facebook wholehearted business coach. And uh, you can join my Facebook group, um, the ladies living courageously where we were, that's where I'm doing the 30 day live challenge. And that's where I go live more often, um, than on my business page so that we can have like a, you know, deep, long conversation with anyone who's in there and you can get support and ask questions and see from other people, learn from other people that are in your industry, um, that are also ladypreneurs or hustling to make moves in their business, make more money, get clients, all the fun stuff, building all the systems getting more freedom, living the life, living the awesome. fun. Well, that's awesome. Hey, I, I really admire you for stepping out of a six-figure job to, to coach people, especially doing it for free starting out. I was really throwing, a, throwing, getting your feet in the fire, so to speak. But it's been real fun interviewing you. Thanks for coming on my program, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Hey, guys, that, that uh, wraps up this fun interview with uh, Tanya Connor Green. Remember to connect with me at Build Your Dream Business Now. That is my free Facebook group where I'm in there every week doing free training Thursday. And just like in Tanya's group, connecting and answering your questions, giving you support, helping you build your dream business so you too can live your dream lifestyle. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. Until next week, another great episode of Dream Business Radio. You take good care. You've been listening to Jim Palmer's famous no-hassle interview the experts coaching call. Every month, Jim brings you a new leading expert to share great information on how you can build a more profitable business faster. Jim is the creator of the Dream Business Academy, a unique three-day live event that will truly help you transform your business and take it to the next level. For information on the next Dream Business Academy, go to www.dreambizacademy.com. That's www.dreambizacademy.com. If you'd like to learn how Jim Palmer can personally help you grow your business faster, check out his Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program at www.dreambizcoaching.com. That's www.dreambizcoaching.com. See you next month for another Interview the Experts Coaching Call.